0: Or is it for us? Let's have a conversation.
1: Indeed, let's have a conversation. And welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose. Today's strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, you were made for this moment. We were made for this moment. Thank you to this team that I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Uh, happy... Is it Wednesday to you, Steve?
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you say that because you already caught me once. I wasn't sure what day it was. It's a wonderful, whimsical Wednesday.
1: Yes, and it's also Wings day Wednesday at Hooters restaurants. If you buy 20 wings, you get 10 for free. And when the girls come over, I like to order those. It's good for to-go or to dine in. And I love the lemon um, pepper rub or the Texas barbecue rub. They're great, but buy 20 wings, get 10 for free. Hooters Restaurants has been a partner of the the show and also America's Veterans Story Show for many years. I do appreciate that partnership. And I got to know them. It's a really interesting story. It's a story about freedom and capitalism and free markets. So you can be sure and check that out if you want to learn more about that. That's at my website under the Hooters tab there. So, yes, happy Wednesday to you. And, and my friends, you can uh, sign up for our weekly newsletter at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N.com. You'll get first look at our most recent essays, our most recent podcast, and all of the upcoming guests. And I've been working on the uh, guest Uh, selections for, for next week. And it's going to be another great, great week, but you'll get first look at all that. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom and uh, America's veterans stories broadcast every Sunday, three to 4 PM. And then there's Encore broadcasts Sundays or Saturdays and Sundays, 10 to 11 p.m. of previous shows. And uh, the the show comes to you because of a trip that I took in 2016 with a group that accompanied four World War II uh, D-Day veterans back to Normandy uh, for the anniversary of the D-Day landings and realized that these stories of of our veterans need to be um, they need to be recorded and broadcast and archived. and since America's Veteran Stories. So Steve, we are on tap a little later this morning to record, uh, record with uh, Lieutenant, excuse me, um, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Rutledge, retired United States Air Force. And I think he just turned 94, uh, but he's just a treasure of, uh, of Uh, just just a treasure of all kinds of information, both about history, but about public opinion now. uh, But uh, the atomic bombs, uh, Truman had made the decision to drop the atomic bombs on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, one on August 6th and the other on August 9th. And um, Colonel Rutledge has a colleague that after many, many years um, found the invasion plans for uh, Japan. And Truman made the decision to drop the bombs because he looked at the really the carnage on both sides. Uh, the estimates are over a million Americans would be killed in the invasion of Japan, as well as a million uh, Japanese. And so he made that decision. And uh, ultimately, it probably saved hundreds of thousands of lives. But since we're we're coming up on the anniversary of those um, dropping of the atomic bomb, we thought it was very appropriate to uh, record this with Colonel Rutledge regarding the invasion of Japan. And then he is going to be our featured guest on Friday morning as well uh, to talk about this. So it should be super interesting, Steve.
2: Well, yeah, it needs to be said, (laughs) Rutledge is as sharp as a tack. And uh, like you said, he's very uh, acute uh, in in his assessment of things either from a historical perspective or even what's going on
1: right here and now. Absolutely. So uh, stay tuned for that. That'll be uh, really great. So uh, let's run over here to our quote of the day. And Steve, I really should have known this woman. And you had sent over one day a, a quote. You said, hey, can we use this? And we did. And it's Hannah Arendt. And she was a political philosopher, author and Holocaust survivor. She's widely considered to be one of the most influential political theorists of the 20th century. Arendt was born in Linden, which later became a district of Hanover in 1906 to a Jewish family. And so that was a uh, province of Hanover, the kingdom of Prussia in the German Empire. Yeah. You know what? And I, I erased her born date. Uh, we'll have to get that. But she died in 1975. And again, it was a Holocaust survivor. And she said this evil thrives on apathy and cannot exist without it. When we wonder how we got here, Steve, that is one of one of the things we've been kind of fat and happy and we haven't been paying attention. And that is how we got to this very um, concerning spot, I would say, um, here in America today.
2: You have to wonder if if we really were self-governing and we were, we are. If the the detractors of that, the people who don't care for that were wanting to take it down brick by brick, you wonder if they sit around in back rooms thinking how they can generate apathy. Uh,
1: Well, and I think that there's with, with all the information coming at people, it's confusing. It's, um, you know, kind of chaotic. And that is the way those that want to take control, uh, do that. And so I just found this. she was born in 1906 and she died in 1975. And, um, so that's why we do this show is to try to get through all of the stuff that that's being thrown at people. We get experts on here. Uh, we search for truth and clarity and, um, try to help people make sense of all this because when they keep people on their heels, uh, it's, it's difficult to kind of figure out what's going on. And that is why we do this show is to search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And I know we drill at it every day, but it's so important that we understand it's not compassionate to take other people's stuff. And, of course, government uses taxation, they use fees, they use public policy, and uh, it's just kind of legalized theft. Now, we agree that there is some kind of taxation that's necessary for those limited things that government is supposed to do. But beyond that, it's theft. So it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, freedom, livelihood, or opportunity or their lives via force. And it could be with a weapon, but it could be policy. Unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or the World Economic Forum Davos globalist elites agenda. And speaking of um, excessive taxation, unpredictable and excessive taxation. I was talking a friend, to a friend of mine who was talking to a friend friend of ours, a mutual friend that said that they just got their new uh, mortgage uh, uh, payment schedule for the next year. And it's gone up over $200 per month because of additional taxes. And um, I, I think maybe insurance rates have gone up. I mean, now let's think about that, Steve. When when Karen Levine and I and Lauren Levin, Levy and I talk about property rights and home ownership And then the World World Economic Forum says in 2030, you will own nothing and be happy about it. You won't be happy about it. But I've realized one of the ways that this is going to occur is they could possibly start to tax people out of their homes. So that's why when we do our voters guide for this November, we will be saying no to all new taxes, because I think government has enough. And this is, it's just incremental. They're like the school tax here, fire and tax district here. And ultimately you put all that together and it could make it very difficult for people to continue to, to make their payments. I mean, that's a pretty significant increase, Steve.
2: Well, can we take a look at one of the things that's that's on our docket here to talk about? You want to talk about how insidious you know, the government programs could be. Here's the, you know, was just just went through Congress, the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, what could right. what could be more appealing? Oh, yeah, we need to you know reduce inflation, <clears throat> but look at what what's inside of it is tax increase.
1: Well, it is, and you sent this over, and this was uh, I guess tweeted out by Michael Strain. And it says the Schumer-Mansion bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, would increase taxes by over $16.7 billion in 2023 for households with income under $200,000. Households uh, under $200,000, this is the middle class. This is the assault on the middle class. And take a look at who's doing that. That is the Biden agenda. Mansion. I am so disappointed that he caved on this. But, uh, and I actually was a a, a little, uh, had a knot in my stomach all day yesterday, Steve, after our conversation with Phil Kirpin with the American uh, president of American Commitment. Uh, and he's right there in Washington, DC. And we, we talked about what was in this inflation reduction bill. He said it's actually an in- income reduction bill. But let's first of all figure out why do we have this inflation? We didn't have inflation before Biden. Well, we didn't have this kind of inflation before Biden took office. Steve, first thing he does, he shuts down the Keystone XL pipeline, which increases um, energy costs significantly. So energy costs are big inputs in uh, transporting our goods across the United States. Uh, Big input for uh, raising our crops, raising our uh, our livestock. So all that stuff is going to go up. And so it's important to connect the dot. It goes right back to the Biden policies. Of course, they're really the Obama policies. And so they created this problem. Now they say they're going to pass legislation, quote unquote, to fix it. And in it is all these taxes for the middle class. And then Phil, uh, and well, Patty had found the um, headline on it. But this bill doubles the number of IRS agents. So they will be going after all of these people in the middle class who can't lawyer up, and, and uh, it takes so much time from their businesses to have to, to, to prove that they paid the taxes that they're supposed to. And then, th- then we saw the other headline that the IRS has been buying firearms and ammunition. I mean, that's pretty scary, Steve,
2: Again, I have no argument for that. And you just what's what's in store if this isn't checked sooner, you know, sooner rather than later. What is in store?
1: Yeah. And so um, and but, you know, we're, we're kind of focusing on Manchin because he's been the one Democrat senator. He and uh, Kristen Sinema from um Arizona that have stood in the way of the Biden Obama agenda and it looks like Manchin caved but what about all those other senators over there on the democrat side my friends they need to be voted out of office and and we need to be uh, electing republicans who will stand for lower government stand for republican principles And um, so this election is very, very important, Steve. And with that, I think probably you're getting Eric Odlin on the line. We'll be talking with him in just a moment. And he's running for Congress here in CD7.
2: You're so astute. How do you know that that's what I was uh, doing? Because Eric is here.
1: Well, and go ahead.
2: Well, let's mention that one little tidbit oh there's that darn mic thing again uh that's at the bottom of that chart and says only the democrats could think to raise taxes on the american people during an inflation crisis and recession and then i added and during a midterm election year how well <clears throat> yeah, but sometimes you want to mm-hmm. say you know, they're so they think they're so brilliant they really are stupid
1: well, we'll see. But that's why the integrity of our elections are so important. So a couple of things before we get over here to Eric. Uh, and one of those is we had uh, Tina Peters on yesterday. And as many of you know, she raised the money to get a recount, a hand recount, of uh, the primary election for her primary election here in Colorado as well. There's as there's um, seven candidates in El Paso County that uh, have asked and raised money for a hand recount. And then we had Greg Lopez on last week. Uh, regarding, he has has found abnormalities in the risk-limited audits that are supposed to assure that we have uh, free, fair, honest, and transparent elections. So we must, we must make sure that we have uh, elections that are are free, fair, honest, and transparent. But uh, Tina had mentioned something about We talked about Pam Anderson, who is uh, at this time the primary candidate on the Republican side for secretary of state. But connecting the dots with the fact that she is secretary and on the board of directors of the Obama um, connected. uh, um, And and many of the people on the board of the, the five member board are Obama operatives. I guess I should just say it like that. And they um, have this nonprofit Center for Tech and Civic Life, which that was the the organization got that got the lion's share of the Zuckerberg money, that affected many of very well um, allegedly affected many of the elections in some of these key areas and moved these those votes um, to Biden, and of course a lot of this uh, you can also saw in Dinesh D'Souza's um, 2,000 Mules. But anyway. There's that connection on that Republican candidate. The other Republican candidate, Mike O'Donnell, uh, Tina had mentioned that he was on the board of a Phil Weiser organization, and and I had not heard that. And so this is called Startup Colorado. It was founded in 2011 by Phil Weiser and Brad Field at the Silicon Flatiron Center at the University of Colorado Law School. And uh, so anyway, she sent the information over, and Phil Weiser founded that organization, Startup Colorado. And Michael Donald, the other Republican candidate for secretary of state, was on his board of directors. So that's a very cozy relationship. And uh, so it makes me very concerned about um, these elections here in Colorado. So I wanted to connect that dot. Uh, for you. And, uh, she did send that over and that was startup Colorado. You can look that up. And then the other thing is, um, I wanted to get to this, uh, information regarding two candidates here for Congress in Colorado. One is Brittany Pedersen, who is, um, running for, I think CD seven and the other, here we go. This is from the free beacon. And it says a pair of Colorado Democrats say they're running for Congress to help working families. During their time in the Colorado state legislature, they voted to create new taxes as Colorado families faced rising inflation says in June 2021, state legislators, Brittany Pedersen and Yadira Caraveo, voted for legislation that increased Colorado's gas tax and imposed new taxes on deliveries and Uber and Lyft rides. The vote came as inflation surged at the centennial state under President Joe Biden. By the end of June 2021, the average price for a gallon of gas in Colorado rose above $3.60, a nearly 50% increase from just six months prior. That same month, consumer prices increased 5.4% from a year earlier. So, And we know that inflation is much higher than that. So we're going to talk with Eric Odlin uh, about that. Um, and so let's get to break. And when we come back, uh, we'll talk with him about uh, these Democrats that have been raising taxes and why he is running for Congress. Stay tuned.
3: National levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303 877 7516. Again, that's 303 877 7516.
4: In a healthcare setting, informed consent provides that you, the patient, will have a say in your healthcare plan. This collaboration between you and your healthcare provider applies to most medical procedures, including vaccination. Informed consent is a legal and ethical obligation of your healthcare provider and should include the benefits, risks, and alternatives regarding the proposed treatment. Informed consent is not just your signature, it could be your life. This message is sponsored by Colorado
5: Healthcare Providers for Freedom.com. With the right training from Franktown Firearms, anyone can improve. The professionals at Franktown meet you at your current level of experience, gauging your level of confidence so that they know what kind of training to recommend to you. After you purchase your firearm, regardless of the level you're at, Franktown will encourage you to train. They maintain a comfortable atmosphere, encouraging improvement from any level, with one-on-one training and private training, up to advanced training and classes. They even offer a concealed carry certification class. Franktown actively avoids the corporate model as a family-owned, operated, and family-friendly environment. They give everyone the time of day, meaning that they emphasize the importance of training in a comfortable and inclusive environment. Franktown Firearms wants you to be as invested in improving your skills as they are in their training with you. Sign up for a course today at klzradio.com franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made.
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. And be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at Kimunson.com as well. And uh, before we get over here to Eric Odlin, who is a candidate for uh, Congress, the CD7 here in Colorado, I wanted to welcome a new uh, partner of the show, and that is uh, Christian Home Educators of Colorado. And my friends, if you're concerned about the curriculum that's being taught in these government run schools, and if you're concerned about CRT or the iterations thereof and the sexual indoctrination of our kids. Or a worldview agenda that doesn't agree with uh, your worldview agenda in the in being taught in these government schools, or if you're concerned that your kids are not learning the basics in these government run schools. Check out uh Christian Home Educators of Colorado and it's C H E C. And you can sign up for their homeschool introductory seminar, which is going to be on August 13th. Go to chec.org slash intro for more information. That's CHEC.org slash intro for more information and sign up now. Uh on the line with me is Eric Odlin and uh he um he had a, 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 an important primary, three great candidates in that race. And Eric um, won that primary for the Republican nomination for CD7 here in uh, Colorado. And I'm thrilled to have him on the line. Eric Odlin, welcome.
6: Hi, good morning, Kim. Good to be with you.
1: Great to be with you as well. We've not talked with you uh, since after the primary. So uh, first of all, I kind of set it up for you regarding Brittany Pedersen, who is the Democrat candidate. Uh, She has a record that people can take a look at where she has raised taxes on everyday hardworking people. And um, I I think that it's important that people understand that, um, Eric.
6: Well, I think so, too, Kim. The fact that my opponent has no solutions for inflation and affordability in Colorado, in fact, is contributing to this problem. I mean, progressive policies are are directly responsible for uh, the economic crisis, the energy crisis, they've made it harder for working class families in Colorado to survive. And raising taxes is going to make the situation worse. We know that, in fact, lowering taxes stimulates an economy, uh, drives more revenue into treasuries at, at every level of government. And they want to do the exact opposite, which will uh, drive towards stagnation and make the, or and make the economy worse so they, they 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 are not bringing solutions they're bringing more problems
1: well and the more problems they bring that is because the the democrat agenda is more and more control over people's lives and to to your point if you have a robust economy and more people are working more people are paying taxes more people are thriving and flourishing more people are making more money but yet you lower taxes you are increasing this big pie and actually, tax revenues go up. And so uh, I talked about this in the first segment. Uh, Producer Steve had sent over this this um, information. It says, uh, the, and this was from a tweet by Michael Strain. It said, the Schumer-Mansion bill, the quote-unquote, uh, quote the Inflation Reduction Act, however, it's actually the Income Reduction Act for Everyday People, It would increase 16.7 taxes by 16.7 billion dollars in 2023 for households with income under two hundred thousand dollars. And then, Eric, yesterday I had Phil Kirpin on with the American commitment and he said this mansion bill, this um, Biden mansion bill doubles the size of the IRS uh, and then uh, there was a headline that says that the IRS is buying firearms and ammunition. And I was a little out of sorts yesterday all day as I was thinking this would not end well of of the way this, they're getting this whole thing set up. So your race is so important, Eric.
6: Well, that's right, Kim. I mean, these house races across the country and, and the opportunity here in Colorado is significant to take back the house stop these radical progressive agendas that that do not that do the exact opposite of what the progressives are saying they're going to do we've got to take control of the house we've now closed the gap uh, within two points a poll was released yesterday and a very winnable seat uh, here in colorado but we we've got to stop this madness and there's not a moment to lose
1: There is not not a moment to lose. And uh, so you said that the race was in within two points with this latest poll, which I think is so important, uh, particularly here in Colorado, because, um, you know, I I know you've got the radical activists that would support Pedersen, you know, bigger government and because they think that they're going to, to be part of that bigger and bigger government. But you take the big, broad rest of the swath, and that would be, I think, 70 to 75% of Coloradans, no ma- matter whether or not they're a Democrat, Libertarian, unaffiliated, Republican, conservative. That big, broad swath would like to, to have more control over their lives instead of government. And so I know that that's why you're out there, you're running, and you're trying to get that message to these folks. How can people get more information about you, Eric Codlin?
6: Kim, the best place to start is my website oddlandforcolorado.com dot com. My name's A A D L A N D, so f o r colorado dot com. I'm pretty transparent, Kim, as you know on on all my positions, and I'm bringing real solutions to to these problems. Uh, the the economy, the energy crisis, national security, out-of-control crime along the front range. Uh, my opponent is part of the problem and, and is toxic to Colorado, and people are waking up to that fact.
1: Well, I think that they are. And, Eric, um, first of all, you never, I don't think, ever grew up thinking, I want to run for a political office. Uh, and you you have um, a family uh, children that I know that that's one of the reasons that you're running is you're and I tell you that's why we do what we do over here is I look at what we are th- passing on to our next generation and it's it's irresponsible that we' are passing on a less free country and also a big IOU to our our children and our grandchildren. So I know that that's one of the reasons that you're ra- uh, running. But the other thing is is you are a combat veteran. And with all my work with America's veterans' stories, I have realized that people do not understand just what combat veterans have gone through. And you have put your life on the line for our country in combat. And I know, I know it's heartfelt that you're putting all this on the line once again for our country. So, how would you like to button this up, Eric Godlin?
7: Well, it's
6: kind of you, Kim, and that's that's true. I mean, I have a beautiful family. I have a beautiful home. I uh, never envisioned doing this. It is a sacrifice. It's gonna, and and my family's all on, all in on this because we believe in this country. We love Colorado. We see that this radical progressive agenda is destroying everything we believe in, and and my kids' uh, opportunities are being eclipsed by, uh, you know, uh, people in power who just want to accumulate more power at the expense of average people. So right. I, w- I want your your audience to recognize that they need to support candidates who are doing this for the right reasons, as an act of service in a time of great crisis, and that's why I'm answering the call. Uh, I'm not after power or prestige, or and I'm I'm an introvert by nature, so I don't speak to the <laughs> limelight. But this is a crisis, and and we've got to rectify it. And and they're driving us off a cliff. It, it's sad. It, it's heartbreaking.
1: It, it really is. But I am so encouraged. So many fine people are stepping forward to run for office, not politicians and not bureaucrats, <clears throat> but everyday people. And our country was founded by merchants and farmers and businessmen who put it all on the line for, to, to secure liberty for themselves and for our children, our posterity. So Eric Odlin, thank you so much. Once again, what is your website? How can people get more information?
6: Start with uh, OddlandforColorado.com. A-A-D-L-A-N-D-F-O-R, colorado.com. We need more volunteers. We've got to raise $2 million in the next two months. So we need, need support, and if we get it, we win this race, and we'll do the right thing for Colorado and this country.
1: Eric Odlin, thank you so much, and I know that we'll talk again soon. Thank you.
6: Thank you so much, Kim. Pleasure to be with you.
1: Great to have you. And we're going to go to break. When we come back, <clears throat> we'll be talking with Lawrence Reed. And he is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And uh, he's written, actually, I wanted to talk with him <clears throat> initially about the piece that he'd written on the uh, the young man who had uh, stopped, who had shot the shooter up at that mall in Indiana. And there was this controversy on whether or not this young man was a good Samaritan. Uh, Since then, uh, Lawrence has uh, written a couple of other pieces that I think are important. So I hope that we can get through all three of those. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Lawrence Reed with the Foundation for Economic Education.
8: Don't wait! Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881.
2: No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot
1: And welcome back to The Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's KimMunson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force. Force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. I am thrilled to have on the line with me Lawrence W. Reed. He is the Foundation for Economic Education's President Emeritus, the Humphreys Family Senior Fellow, and Ron Manners Global Ambassador for Liberty, having served for nearly 11 years as uh, Foundation for Economic Education's President 2008-2019. to 2019. He's the author of the 2020 book, Was Jesus a Socialist?, as well as Real Heroes, Incredible True Stories of Courage, Character, and Conviction, and, excuse me, Professor, Challenging the Myths of Progressivism. You can follow him on LinkedIn and like his public figure page on Facebook. His website is LawrenceWReed.com. That's LawrenceWReed.com. Lawrence, welcome to the show. It is great to have you.
9: Hey, thank you, Kim. It's great to be back. I appreciate it.
1: I um, wanted to initially talk with you about the essay that you wrote. It was published on July 19th, and this was after the uh, uh, the shooting at the Greenwood Park Mall in Indiana. And uh, the shooting was on July 17th, and a gunman opened fire in a food court, and he killed three people and wounded two others. And he might have murdered more, but uh, a young man, I think it's Elisha Dickon, pulled out his gun and blew Away the assailant, and I think the—I uh, think it was the chief of police. Anyway, somebody referred to Dickens as a good Samaritan, and a young traffic uh, anchor challenged that. So, you know, set this up for us. What's your thoughts on this?
9: Well, the person who uh, criticized the police chief for referring to Elisha Dickens as a good Samaritan. He referred to the parable that Jesus told and suggested very strongly that uh, it would be impossible for Elisha Dickens to be viewed as a good Samaritan because uh, he killed somebody. He killed the assailant. But I uh, look at the Bible a very different way. Uh, I look at the actual words of Jesus, and he was not this namby-pamby, you know... uh, turn-the-other-cheek-in-every-instance kind of person. Uh, The night of the Last Supper, uh, Jesus told his uh, disciples, if you don't have a a, a sword, sell your cloak and get one. Uh, He was not the kind of person who would stand idly by or expect others to stand idly by while the lives of innocent people are taken. Um, So uh, Elisha Dickens was a good Samaritan by any estimation.
1: Well, and I think it is important that people understand that uh, what stops a bad guy with a gun is typically is a good guy with a gun. And that is what happened there at the Greenwood Park Mall, uh, Lawrence.
9: That's right. And, you know, some people said, well, what about the passage in the Bible, uh, which uh, in which Jesus says, uh, turn the other cheek? And you have to look at that in terms of its uh, actual context. What was the instance uh, that prompted that remark? And it was not a physical attack uh, with an attempt to take anyone's life. Uh, Jesus was referring to a slap in the face, uh, to an insult. And basically he was saying, by turning the other cheek, he was saying, don't escalate a situation. Well, Elisha Dickon did not escalate the situation in Greenwood, Indiana. He dramatically de-escalated it because the shooter, who had just uh, shot at least three people, was about to continue and maybe shoot another dozen or more. And uh, that didn't happen because Elisha Dicken acted decisively, and he acted legally. Uh, he had uh, uh, every right as a constitutional carry uh, a gun owner uh, to do what he did.
1: Well, and uh, at the end of the essay, you had um, referred to John 15, 13, and it's powerful. It's greater love has no one. Well, you said here, if Elisha Dickin had been killed, the rest of us could at least take comfort in the words of Jesus as quoted in John 15, 13. And that is, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And as I was reading that in your essay, it, it, it kind of took my breath away, Lawrence.
9: Yeah, it's a very powerful passage. And keep in mind, when Elisha Dickin pulled out his gun, which he didn't have to do, by the way, he could have just uh, uh, ran away or hid or just ignored the situation and uh, uh, just tried to escape uh, himself, uh, but instead, he put himself in the line of fire by pulling his gun. And for all he knew, uh, the shooter could have hit him before Elisha hit the shooter. Uh, so he was putting his life on the line. Fortunately, he didn't lose it. But I love that passage from Jesus himself, John fifteen thirteen: Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's pretty powerful stuff, and that's exactly what Elisha Dickon did.
1: Well, and and it it's so important to understand that. But with this local reporter, uh, I looked at the the tweet that he had sent out, and he'd gotten a lot of mileage on it. And I responded to the tweet. and I said, "I appreciate, uh, and and again, he was the one that he was uh, taking issue that Elisha Dickon was a good Samaritan because Elijah Dickon killed the shooter, killed someone." And I said, I appreciate the fact that you value life. But I said, I would like to know where you stand on abortion. Now, I never heard from him, to my knowledge, no. if I did. But I, I, I thought that that was important because he was a young kid. He's just pretty recently out of college, gone through, you know, prob- probably broadcasting. I think it was, you know, broadcasting degree or whatever at, at uh, his um at his uh, university and i I thought it was just important that to try to have him connect that dot what's your thoughts on that lawrence
9: well it would have been interesting had he responded uh, uh, i don't know uh, anything further than you do Kim, about what his view on that is but uh, if he were consistent uh, he would defend life innocent life uh, at any stage uh certainly jesus Jesus did, and um yeah i I wish he had responded. It would be interesting to know if he's consistent
1: yes, okay, uh, so that yes, that was my question. Anything else that you want to talk about with this essay? I think we pretty well have have um you know i, I made the case. I would recommend that people go and read this though, and where can they find this Lawrence
9: uh, they can find this at uh probably the easiest. The way would go, would be to go to my website, com, and then click on the blog section and just scroll down a few, uh, and you'll see it uh, rather quickly.
1: Very good. So, Lawrence, I'd like to go to break early so that we can uh, um, start on one of these other essays that you've written. And this is the one that uh, was published just recently on uh, July 28th. You said the two monsters of the French Revolution who were consumed by power and lost their heads on the same day. And I found this absolutely fascinating. So we're talking with Lawrence Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And before we go to break, the nonprofit that I've adopted is the USMC Memorial Foundation. Uh, They are raising money to remodel the Marine Memorial that is out at Six and Colfax. It was uh, dedicated in 1977, so it's time for a remodel. Paula Sarles and her team, and Paula is a Vietnam-era Marine veteran. She's a Gold Star wife, and this is a very special place for her and her husband, and, uh, so she and her team are raising money to remodel it. And you can help by going to usmcmemorialfoundation.org. You can donate there. You can actually buy a brick for one of the walkways. Uh, and it can, or so you can honor your, your military service or your loved one's military service. And it'll have um, the name and, um, time of service and branch of service. So go to usmcmemorialfoundation.org. That's usmcmemorialfoundation.org. We'll be right back with Lawrence Reed.
10: Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at 3PointsFinancial.com. That's 3PointsFinancial.com.
2: You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com.
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com. dot com. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Uh, Thrilled to have on the line with me Lawrence Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We're talking about some of his recent essays. And one that was published on July 28th was The Two Monsters of the French Revolution Who Were Consumed by Power and Lost Their Heads on the Same Day. Uh, So tell us about this, uh, Lawrence.
9: This is a fascinating story, Kim, about two guys who were uh, close friends and allies, And young men, too. Uh, One was in his mid-20s, the other was in his uh, mid-30s. Their names were Louis-Antoine de Saint-Just and Maximilien Robespierre. The latter is probably much better known uh, in America than the first. But together, these two guys uh, engineered the terror of the French Revolution, and that was uh, about a year of some of the most violent uh... episodes uh... of the entire french revolution uh... robespierre was on the committee of public safety uh... this super powerful agency of government that uh... condemned so many people and he would transmit the judgments of the committee to the younger guy uh... saint-just and saint-just would supervise the arrests and the confiscation of property uh... often no trials for the accused and then the executions by guillotine. And uh, the rivers of blood just flowed in the streets of Paris, especially during the um, last six weeks uh, in the middle of 1794, before both men uh, were devoured by their own revolution.
1: I find that so interesting. And and Lawrence, um, you know, this was right around the same time there was the American Revolution and there was the French Revolution. And the results were very different with the American Revolution and the French Revolution. So explain the difference of the two to our listeners.
9: Okay. <clears throat> Both revolutions started out uh, in defense of individual liberty and for lim- in favor of limited, responsible government. But then uh, they diverged uh, radically. Uh, the Americans, of course, stayed faithful to that and produced a fantastic uh, constitution, ultimately, uh, for the purpose of keeping government limited. But in France, uh, the early uh, uh, movement for liberty took a terrible turn when the more radical uh, people came to power. Uh, They were people of the left uh, who decided to expunge from society any vestige of uh, the old regime and its values uh, to the point of Uh, of killing people uh, by the thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands ultimately, in order to maintain uh, the the safety of the revolution. So, yeah, uh, they took two different directions, but the American Revolution obviously was by far uh, the more successful one.
1: Well, and as you were talking about death by guillotine, guillotine, I guess that's how you say it, Um, First of all, you said that they both started out as individual rights. And of course, the constitution was put in place. Well, we have the Declaration of Independence with this beautiful vision that all men are created equal because they're created in the image of God. But all men are created equal with these rights of uh, from God of life, liberty and pursuit of happiness and the constitution is put in place to to make government limited so that these rights can be realized by each and every individual. And so you have that, and you wonder what hap- could happen when when you when you have this government. And that was radical in the history of of mankind. That is a radical idea. And what you have is everyday people thriving and flourishing and prospering. And we see yeah. that right now. I I hope that we're not on the fumes of freedom right now, Lawrence, because um, I think we've been apathetic. We haven't really protected this. We've let government get. Uh, way too big. and But what we have with that idea is everyday people flourishing, which I, I just think is remarkable.
9: That's right. Uh, for decades after the American Revolution, Americans, for the most part, remained faithful uh, to its promise and uh, did not take on the, uh, the violent tone uh, that the French Revolution did. In France, uh, you had people coming to power who uh, were completely uh, smitten by the possession of power. And part of my essay was to drive home the point that power is unbelievably corruptive. Uh, These two men we've talked about, uh, Robespierre and Saint-Just, if you had met them just a few years before the French Revolution on the streets of Paris, you would have had a pleasant conversation. You would have found them to be conversational and uh, articulate, up-and-comers, friendly, uh, friendly people. Uh, you would never have assumed what they were capable of once uh, they accumulated power. In the, in the case of Saint Just, uh, his transformation was uh, incredibly disturbing and 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 very uh, rapid. He was described as freewheeling and passionate a few years before the Revolution, but then almost overnight, with power, he became tyrannical, pitiless, an ice-cold ideologist, uh, inaccessible as stone to all the warm passions, as one historian said. Uh, He was singularly focused on remaking society as he thought it should be, and uh, was prepared to use any degree of violence to achieve
1: it. Uh, and again, uh, and he did. And so there's just three things I wanted to, to Highlight regarding this particular essay. First of all, they were they had the committee of public safety, and it's just like now we hear the term uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is actually uh, an income reduction act, and it, so it's the opposite of what they say. So they had the committee of public safety, and they're killing people left and right. So I find that, that <laughs> that's pretty hip- hypocritical. But but then once again, the difference between the Americans and the French. In our Constitution, they wanted to make sure that there was due process before people, you know, if people were accused of something, that there was due process, and that there was no cruel and unusual punishment. And I think those two things are a big difference between the Americans and the, the American Revolution and the French Revolution, Lawrence.
9: Oh, absolutely. And some of those things were incorporated into the early stages of the French Revolution. Uh, for, for the first year or two, but by the early 1790s, uh, it took this radical turn in the direction of all power to the state. But here in America, our founding fathers and uh, uh, the vast majority of Americans really meant it when they said, uh, we want to set up a system of constitutional liberty that protects uh, the individual and limits the power of government. We really meant it, and we were intent upon uh, carrying that out. In France, uh, you can see that the sympathies for these ideas did not run very deeply because uh, the moment the opportunity arose to concentrate power and to cleanse society of people and ideas you didn't like, uh, then that's what took hold.
1: You know, as you say that, Lawrence, it makes me think of George Washington. And George Washington could have taken more and more power. He was revered. Uh, after the Revolutionary War and after he'd been um, served two terms as president. And uh, he instead relinquished power. So he's really a remarkable man. Once again, something very different from the Americans to the French.
9: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm glad you raised that uh, occasion, Kim, because uh, maybe more than anything else, that uh, encapsulates the distinction between the uh, American and the French Revolution. Here in America, you had people who, for the moment, uh, attained certain degrees of power in overthrowing the British. They had the opportunities, as Washington did, to even become uh, king of America. But they walked away from such power, uh, because they understood that wasn't the purpose of fighting the British. In France, uh, that's not what happened. I cannot think of any significant French revolutionary figure who attained power and then walked away from it. In every case, every significant case anyway, uh, when they attained power, they became drunk with it and wanted more of it
1: and you can see that uh, and, and it's human nature uh i served on city council for four years and um and, and certainly not to the extent of the french revolution but i uh, saw people that you know politicians and bureaucrats that got into power and then they became altruistic with other people's money uh, i remember yeah. that there was grants that were being given out to a number of different nonprofits by government i'm like well wait a minute why should government be um, picking winners and losers maybe we lower taxes and let people make their own choices on which nonprofits that they would want to support and then once again nonprofits kind of in a free market they have to make sure that they're delivering uh, what they say they're going to do or people will will give to a different nonprofit but uh, we've got about four minutes left uh, Lawrence and I wanted to go over to this uh, uh, this um, uh, uh, essay that you wrote on uh, or published on July 31 Hannah Are- Arendt's chilling thesis on evil. And so we used uh, some of her quotes uh, for the show today. And uh, one of the ones that was very important was, um, and this was our quote, was evil thrives on apathy and cannot exist without it. So what's your thoughts regarding this essay? What what do you want people to know about that?
9: Well, Hannah Arendt uh, was one of the most uh, important political thinkers of the 20th century. She had a lot to say about things like totalitarianism and and what makes uh, a person a tool for evil. And she's most famous for covering the trial of Adolf Eichmann, who was a key figure in the Holocaust. He had had supervised the transportation of of, uh, several million people to the uh, uh, concentration camps in Nazi Germany and its occupied territories. And when she went to the trial of Eichmann, she was quite taken aback by how ordinary he seemed to appear. And this is what shocked the world when she later wrote about it and said, you know, you you go into these kinds of things thinking that for someone to do what he did, he must have been an absolute monster. But sitting there, you realize, here's a guy, seems like your uh, uncle next door, uh, capable, certainly, uh, because he did do it, uh, of these great evil deeds. But uh, he also was capable of coming across He's just an ordinary guy, following orders, really didn't uh, do any harm himself. He just did what he had to do because he was told to do it. Uh, He wouldn't take any responsibility for his own actions. So the lesson from Hannah Arendt's coverage of Adolf Eichmann and his trial, I think, is evil can come in in all kinds of packages, and don't ever assume uh, that if it comes calling, that it would be stupid enough to advertise itself as such. It's much more likely that it will look like your favorite uncle or your sweet grandmother and will come with all kinds of platitudes like equality and social justice and the common good. Uh, But uh, it it will do great evil if people fall for its uh, uh, deceitfulness and allow it to take power.
1: So Lawrence, I think in a way Americans have have fallen for that, uh, and I think it started uh, in the early 1990s uh, to to take care of the environment, which we are called to be good stewards of our world. We and that's from day one, but uh, it got has gotten to the point where the environment has taken precedence over humans flourishing and and growing. And again, it's been the words that you've mentioned, social justice, equity. And uh, I think this agenda has been going on since the early 1990s. I think the veil is now off. And uh, you've watched this. So uh, we've got uh, just about a, a minute left. What how would you like to just kind of address that? And again, how can people find you?
9: I think that the most important lesson from the essays we've discussed, uh, Kim, as well as from history in general, the most important single lesson is do not allow the concentration of power. Our founding fathers understood that. They tried to uh, separate powers, they tried to minimize them, uh, they tried to, to set up a society of competing sources of power so that no one... Uh, could accumulate uh, uh, excessive power, but it's an age-old struggle. And if people sit idly by and do nothing or fall for the uh, uh, temptations that evil promises, uh, they're in for great trouble. And, and so I just want to close by saying uh, you can learn more about these things by visiting my website, LawrenceWReed.com. That's L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E-W r-e-e-d laurencewreed.com
1: Lawrence Reed thank you so much powerful voice here in America I greatly appreciate it and our quote for the end of the show is from Hannah uh, Arendt and she said the moment we lo- no longer have a free press anything can happen what makes it possible for a totalitarian or any other dictatorship to rule is that people are not informed how can you have an opinion if you are not informed so my friends today be grateful read great books think good thoughts listen to beautiful music Communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you're not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.
0: It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story.
1: Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to uh, public education.
0: The latest in politics and world affairs.
1: We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses.
0: Today's current opinions and ideas.
1: Kids are just being bombarded with darkness.
0: Is it freedom, or is it force? Let's
1: have a conversation. You know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids.
5: Uh Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day.
1: Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo, indeed it is hump day. And welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And my friends, it's never compassionate to take other people's stuff, whether or not it's their rights, their property, uh, their livelihood. um, I should have all this memorized, Steve, their livelihood, opportunity, or lives via force. And it could be. With a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or the World Economic Forum's Davos Globalist Elite's Agenda. So it is great to have all you joining us today. You are each treasured. You're valued. You have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And thank you to this team I work with. as producers Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo. Uh, and uh, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting and it is indeed Wednesday producer Steve.
2: Oh uh, wonderful, whimsical Wednesday. <clears throat> <laughs>
1: Well, well done. How's that? Uh, hey, check out my website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, let's get to our quote for today. Powerful first hour. Uh, we had Eric Odlin on, who is a Republican candidate for the Congressional District CD7 here in Colorado. And there is a stark difference between him and uh, the Democrat. And the Democrat has a record, uh, served in the State House, and the record is higher taxes, more control over your lives. If you like to keep more of your money in your pocket and you want to be in control of your life, then uh, you certainly should cast your vote for Eric Odlin. And then Lawrence Reed, who is President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, We talked about three of his recent essays. And again, the conversation was pure gold, Steve.
2: And it was, yes. Incoming
1: And I know who that is. That is Lauren Levy uh, with the Polygon Financial Group. And we'll get him on and uh, I actually am broadcasting on the road. I have this great rig that will take me directly into the studio board. Uh, but with that, that means I don't have the visual with, uh, with uh, um, Steve. And so that's why we have a little bit of that discombobulation. So just wanted to explain that. But again, it's remarkable. Yeah, we really uh, do know we,
2: what we're doing, right?
1: Yeah, well, we we do. We definitely do. But hey, let me get over to the quote for today from Hannah Arendt. And I, I selected this because um, Lawrence Reed had actually written a uh, an essay on that. And this was her quote for today. And she was a political philosopher, author, and Holocaust, Holocaust survivor. She's widely considered to be one of the most influential political theorists of the 20th century. She was born in the German Empire in Prussia. She was born in 1906. She died in 1975. And she said this, evil thrives on apathy and cannot exist without it. So, my friends, that's why we do this show. That's why we do America's Veterans Story Show, so that we understand our history. But so that you can... Understand what's going on out there and not be apathetic and engage with your friends, your family, your colleagues about these important ideas. And the show comes to you because of the all of you who support us, but I have these amazing partners and I can highly recommend, endorse each and every one of them. And one of those partners is Lawrence Levy. He is a mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group. He is a sponsor of both the Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories. So I thank him for that. But he works with a number of different companies. And so he's got all different kinds of options on whether or not you are looking to buy a new home Uh, refinance, do a reverse mortgage, he can help you out with all of that. And I continue to hear from listeners that have worked with him and highly endorse him. In fact, when he was on the show last week with Karen Levine, we had a caller that called in and gave an endorsement, uh, unbeknownst to us. And Lawrence Levy, we didn't even know that Tom from Port Collins was going to call in. Welcome to the show.
11: Hey, good morning, Kim.
1: (laughs) I pretty well, did I button up kind of what you do, Lauren Levy?
11: Yes, you did. You've got it covered. It's been a long time, so you know by now.
1: (laughs) I do, and I've seen firsthand, I've heard from listeners how much they appreciate you. So what we wanted to do today is an interest rate, uh, Federal Reserve update. What are you seeing on that, Lauren Levy?
11: You know, it's been uh, since they met last week and raised, things have really gone in a good direction, which is interesting. You know, a lot of people think when the Federal Reserve raises rates that mortgage rates automatically move up. But like I said, a lot of times if the Fed acts in in a way that the market expects, then the market likes that, and they did. And so rates actually pulled back down a little bit. Yesterday, there was a couple Fed, um, I guess you'd call them governors, that went out, not Jerome Powell, but other guys, that made some public comments about the fact that, you know, while the market might think inflation has peaked and that the Fed may pause moving forward, that they didn't see it that way. And that, for one day... Um, sort of sent the, the market in a little bit of a spin. So rates crept up yesterday. But for the most part, they've come down quite a bit to the point where we actually were able to get someone to rate back in the fours again yesterday. So all the way back from when it was low sixes it moved up to. So it's uh, it's been interesting. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster the last you know, couple weeks here.
1: Okay, so tell me, let's say somebody wants to buy a home. There's more inventory out there. And I mm-hmm. think that appraisal gap has, has um, maybe it's not disappeared, but it's gone away or, or been reduced significantly. So let's say mm-hmm. you've got a rate out there in the fours right now. Could somebody lock that in?
11: Absolutely. You can, uh, you know, in the past we had to have someone have an address on a home that they, that they found that they're under contract on before we could lock, but now we can do things called lock and shop where someone can lock in a rate while they're looking. And as long as they can find a home in that period of time that we're looking, uh, that we're locked for, then they can maintain that rate. And so now with the competition maybe being a little bit less, maybe not 20 offers on a home and maybe not having to deal with an appraisal gap, like you said, hopefully, you know, if you're only competing against yourself or maybe one other offer that there's an opportunity now for buyers to buy and secure those rates and get it done in a timely fashion. So the answer is yes.
1: Does it cost people to lock in a rate? Um, So let's say that they go out there, I guess, how long can you lock it in for? Does it cost anything? And then what if they don't find the home they want?
11: If they don't find the home that they want, that's the risk. You know, the lock would expire and they'd have to do it again at the going rate at the time. But um, you can lock for up to 60 days, sometimes 90 without any fees. Um, there's lenders that'll let you lock for 150 days, but you have to pay a fee up front that they credit back to you and, you know, towards your closing costs later. Um, so you don't lose the money as long as you close, but there's a lot of protections built in there. So it's always good when you're going to start this search or wherever you're at to give us a call and we can help guide you through it and just figure out what's the best scenario for you.
1: And I know the best way for people to reach you is via phone, correct? So what's your phone number? 303-880-8881.
11: Three zero three eight eight zero eighty eight eighty one.
1: Okay, Lauren, I'm going to ask you, what's your final thought for this call? It's kind of an inside joke <laughs> from all of us. <laughs>
11: yeah, and we'll see how many people understand it. But I like that <laughs> quote. I, just, I was at dinner last night and uh, talking to some friends of mine, and, and we had that conversation about apathy. We have some other friends of ours who were like, seems like they don't ever necessarily turn on the TV or read things and just kind of go with the flow. And we're like, how do they do that, you know? It's exactly what that quote of the day was just talking about. just apathy if you don't pay attention to what's going on. And It's funny. I was just having that conversation last night with somebody. So do it's you, out there are, for sure.
1: It is. But do you think more and more people are paying attention?
11: I don't know. In my circle that, you know, I can only speak to my circle, right? I don't know enough. It's like 50-50, it seems like. There's a lot that are, but then there's, there's a bunch that just don't, you know? So I don't know if there's more or less. I think it's... Probably the same. The people that are always into it are into it, and the ones that don't still don't, you know?
1: I well, don't know. And the- the problem is, is those that say that, hey, I'm not into politics, I think they're starting, I, I mean, at least they're feeling that politics is into them. So that's why we do this show. And I, I thank you for your, your sponsorship of both of these shows. Uh, and it's been a long time. I mean, we've worked together for a lot of years. And I know that you've helped a lot of my listeners and a lot of people over the years. So again, that's Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. And um, again, just have a great day.
11: Okay, you too, Kim. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. That's Lauren Levy, Polygon Financial Group, 303-880-8881, 303-880-8881. And uh, before we go to break, I wanted to mention a new sponsor, and that is the Christian Home Educators of Colorado. Uh, C-H-E-C, check. And uh, if you are concerned about the curriculum that's being taught in these government-run schools, or you're concerned about CRT and sexual indoctrination of our kids in these government schools, or if you're concerned that your kids are not really learning the basics, reading, writing, arithmetic, um, civics, history, um, critical thinking, all those things, then check out check that's C-H-E-C. It's Christian Home Educators of Colorado. And they're going to have a homeschool introductory seminar on August 13th to answer all your questions. And you can get more information by going to chec.org slash intro. Again, that's chec.org slash intro. Uh, sign up now. Uh, it doesn't Knowledge is power. It's good to know about this. You may think homeschooling might be daunting, actually, Uh, it's, uh, it's something that more and more families are choosing. So again, check out, check that dot org slash intro for more information. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Derek Kennison. And he has been charged with seven violations with um, he was in in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And so we want to talk with him about uh, that, what happened, what's going on with these charges. You won't want to miss it. So, again, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Derek Kennison.
10: Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no obligation initial consultation at ThreePointsFinancial.com. That's ThreePointsFinancial.com.
5: With the right training from Franktown Firearms, anyone can improve. The professionals at Franktown meet you at your current level of experience, gauging your level of confidence so that they know what kind of training to recommend to you. After you purchase your firearm, regardless of the level you're at, Franktown will encourage you to train. They maintain a comfortable atmosphere, encouraging improvement from any level with one-on-one training and private training up to advanced training and classes. They even offer a concealed carry certification class. Franktown actively avoids the corporate model as a family-owned, operated, and family-friendly environment. They give everyone the time of day, meaning that they emphasize the importance of training in a comfortable and inclusive environment. Franktown Firearms wants you to be as invested in improving your skills as they are in their training with you. Sign up for a course today at klzradio.com franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made.
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me. At Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And I thank all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And also, my friends, I would greatly appreciate it if you would, when you uh, have business to do, if you would do business with my sponsors. I can highly endorse and recommend each and every one of them. And there's a, a list of my sponsors at Kim Munson.com, So check that out. I, I'm really excited to have this next guest, Derek Kinison. Uh, it was a husband, father, business owner, taxpayer, head of security at his church, and now in the crosshairs of the United States government for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. At 40 years old, Derek has been indicted by a federal grand jury and is facing 85 years in prison and extremely heavy fines. He traveled from California to the nation's Capitol building on Jan- um, and was there for January 6th as a volunteer security person for his local church. He did not enter the Capitol or have any illegal or mildly improper interactions. But on February 19th at 6.02 a.m., the FBI and SWAT teams broke his fences, ripped off his doors, the doors to his house, used flashbang grenades, robots, and pointed guns at his young daughter and him. The government hit squads proceeded to arrest Derek, who willingly and without resistance submitted to their authority. He's currently out on bond. He has lost his Second Amendment protections and his CCW, so his concealed carry permit. He's been hounded by reporters, doxed online with his address, phone numbers, and family members' names. He's in the process of a legal battle and is committed to telling his story to as many as will listen and to let justice prevail. Derek Kinnison, this is rather breathtaking. Welcome to the show.
12: Good morning, Kim. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
1: Uh, so tell us, I, and you sent over to me, I, I had I have a copy of the indictment. Uh, they're charging you with seven violations. It's 20 pages long. Uh, and this was, uh, the date received was June 9, 2021. So first of all, I think it's important that our listeners understand with a grand jury that there is evidence that is presented by um the side that is wanting to prosecute but the person that's being um, prosecuted does not have uh, the opportunity to give their side of the story with a grand grand jury do i have that correct eric
12: yeah, that is correct. I did want to just actually correct a couple things. So there's uh, there's multiple people on my indictment. So I'm not charged with every charge that's on that indictment. So I'm actually facing five charges. Oh, and okay. initially I thought that it, initially I thought that it was um, uh, three felonies and two misdemeanors, but because one of those people on the indictment whom I actually don't know, uh, that person was uh, carrying a pocket knife um, out in DC and because of that everybody in the indictment has deadly weapons enhancements so that that took the two misdemeanor charges of trespassing and disorderly conduct and made them felonies
1: so somebody had so a plot <laughs> hmm. okay yeah, well let-
12: so uh, i'm i'm facing five felonies for it
1: okay so what are you being charged with then uh derek
12: um well i i did travel with with some friends, so they're charging us with conspiracy for that, felony conspiracy, um, obstruction of Congress. I'm not sure how I can obstruct Congress from standing outside of a building, but I'm facing a felony for that. And then I'm charged with um, disorderly conduct, trespassing, and because I was in a, a, a chat group of patriots who traveled from California to D.C., And then I left that chat group. Um, They're charging me with another felony of uh, destroying evidence from a grand jury investigation. Uh, Didn't delete pictures or videos or anything like that. I just left the chat group. So facing 20 year felony for that.
1: Remarkable. Okay, so let's talk about January sixth. Uh, I had Josh Phillip on just recently, and on June or excuse me, July twenty second, he released his documentary, and he's a senior investigative reporter with the Epic Times as well as the host of Crossroads, and he did a documentary, the real story of January sixth. And so my understanding, there were three different entrances where people went into the capitol and first of all uh, you did not go into the capitol is that correct
12: yeah that's that's completely correct um i was outside i was looking at open doors to the capitol and standing next to a friend he said what do you think i said i don't like it it looks like a trap he said i agree and there we stood outside the capitol um didn't have any confrontations with police didn't break anything, didn't litter. I mean, just stood outside of the building, literally, and, uh, you know, had the choice, made the choice not to go in. Yet, here I stand facing five felonies.
1: Okay, so there were three different entrances and where people entered the building and we've all seen the videos of uh, people basically being ushered in by the Capitol police. They had their Trump flags, they had their Trump uh, hats on and they were just peacefully entered. It it looks like, it really looks like, um, you know, regular Americans are kind of, you know, tourists looking around and so very peaceful. And then, um, and I talked with a a, a young millennial uh, this year on January 6th, or right after January 6th, and he said something that I thought was really important. He said, if, in fact, this was not, um, if you wanted to really think that this narrative that is being put forward by the mainstream media, by the January 6th committee, is true. Look no further than what happened with the horned man, you know, the guy without the shirt and the horn, horn, you know, horn hat going on. Okay. He's going into the inner chambers. We've seen the picture of him sitting at that chair. Um, but he's being followed by one Capitol Hill police officer. If in fact they were serious about protecting the Capitol, there's no way that he would be walking in in front of a Capitol police officer to sit at that chair. And so that was that was a big aha for this young person. And I thought, how oh, that, that makes a lot of sense to me, Derek. What's your thoughts?
12: Yeah, I mean, de- definitely. Uh, you know, I can't speak to what happened on, on the inside. We were actually very late getting there. It wasn't even our plan to actually head to the Capitol. We stayed at the, uh, at the Trump um, ellipse rally until Trump was done speaking. And then kind of long after, you know, it was obviously January in D.C. I'm from California. So uh, it was super cold for us. We wanted to uh, go back to our hotel, catch some naps, get hot showers and go find a steak dinner and go do tourist stuff um, out on the town later, later that evening. That was our plan. But then we had heard that uh, Antifa was causing problems and breaking into the Capitol, and then we're like, okay, let's let's go see what's going on, you know. So we we were timestamped there, I think, you know, well after two o'clock, well after okay. the initial breaches, well after Ashley Babbitt was shot, um, you know. Yeah, it was uh, very uh, very interesting.
1: So when you went over and uh, so you did go over to the area where the entrance where there was, um, I think, the pictures of people climbing up the side of the Capitol and and those pictures that are being used, those images that uh, are being being used, um, you know, by mainstream media. So you then were there at that particular area. So what did you see going on when you got over there? And again, you said that was well after the uh, initial breach of of the Capitol at that particular entrance. What did you see that was going on?
12: Well, so I'm, you know, still obviously going through a, um, you know, going through charges and going to have a trial pending. So I don't want to speak too much on everything from January 6th, but I was standing there. I had medical gear, I had a backpack that was nothing but medical gear. Um, All my friends, we all had medical gear. And there were a lot of people who were having confrontations with police. There was a lot of people getting pepper sprayed, hit with batons, rubber bullets, things like that. So we found an area um, a little bit later in the afternoon, and we set up a triage there. We had, you know, eyewash, baby wipes. You know, we were treating the people with pepper spray, bandaged up some wounds. Uh, you know, there was, uh, there was a guy who got his head split wide open from a baton. So, I mean, that's, that's what I saw. That's what we, we did. Felt good helping people. You know, obviously there's a million people around. It's going to be very hard for people to get medical treatment. So that's, you know, that's our hearts. That's why we went there. You know, as you stated, I work security at, at my church. Um, you know, we wanted to be extra set of protection. We were actually hoping to be extra eyes and ears for the police. We had no experience with police being. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was it was just a huge shock and seeing how the police were treating people there. And we're like, whoa, these aren't like our sheriff deputies back home. You know, where where we're from, you know, the, we didn't know that mm-hmm. those cops were just so so aggressive, and we're like, okay, yeah, we're not gonna mess with the cops. We're not here to mess with the mm-hmm. cops. You know, we don't want to get mm-hmm. you know shot and beat up. So.
1: All right. Well, and, and Derek, I know that we need to tread lightly because uh, you you are you have these charges against you. So I know that we need to be careful with the questions that I ask. But I would recommend that people go over to the Epic Times under the TV area and take a look at Joshua Phillips. Um, his uh, documentary, The Real Story of January 6th, because I was very surprised. I'm not going to ask for your comment on this, Derek, but I was very surprised at this particular location at the Capitol where there were uh, Capitol Police and uh, D.C. police officers that were shooting into the crowd, uh, and it looked like instead of trying to de-escalate um, the situation there that it was, it, and again, it looks like, and this is my read on it, looks like it was trying to escalate, uh, the situation there, which one would have to just ask why. So let's go to break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Derek Kinison. And he has, um, five charges, uh, five, vi- uh, regarding, Five potential violations uh, regarding uh, the fact that he was in the Capitol on January 6th. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, what do you know about informed consent? The principle is a cornerstone in medicine and applies to nearly all medical treatments, including vaccination. Informed consent is a legal and ethical obligation of your health care provider and should include the benefits, risk and alternatives regarding the proposed treatment. Sadly, two thirds of patients report not being given sufficient information about the treatment and even report feeling pressured to give consent. Informed consent. It's not just your signature. It could be your life. This message is sponsored by Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom
2: That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. On the line with me is Derek Kinnison. He is a husband, father, business owner, taxpayer, head of security at his church, and he's in the crosshairs of the U.S. government. He was uh, in um, Washington, D.C. on January 6th. He did not go into the Capitol. However, he has been charged with five different violations. And uh, so we've talked a little bit about that, and um, wanna just find out where, where he is right now in this whole process. So Derek Kinison, Uh, You were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. The grand jury was convened on January 8th. Uh, Your indictment, it uh, has a received stamp of June 9, 2021. Now, that is well over a year ago. And I thought we're supposed to have speedy due process here in America. So tell us where this whole process is right now, Derek.
12: Okay, yeah, so I'll, I'll give you kind of the, uh, the quick rundown. So obviously, yes, I was raided by the FBI, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, on February 19th. Um, I was not charged or arrested on that day. Um, I did not give them a statement. I did say I would be happy to cooperate with their investigation, but I would need to speak with an attorney. They did continue to try to probe me for questioning. They didn't respect that. Um, it was a 120-day warrant. So that meant that if anything, you know, happened, um, it was going to happen within 120 days. So about day 110, we're thinking that we're not going to get charged with anything. And then, boom, get a phone call uh, that I was supposed to voluntarily surrender on uh, June 10th. Um, I mean, it was literally like I had two hours warning to be in a different city, uh, I I had work that day. I was actually on my way to uh, do a job for a customer. I had to cancel the job 15 minutes before it started, um, basically because the FBI was threatening that it was going to look bad if I didn't, you know, make that uh, that rendezvous meeting. Um, so I was uh, arrested. I was released on bonds, um, you know, which is same, a major, same major day. blessing. Was, yeah, was same it same date? Okay. Yes, yeah, so I, was, I was only incarcerated for uh, about 8, 10 hours, um, which, which is a huge blessing. Um, right now, there's, there's a, around 35 to 40 people who are still in jail. Some of them have been in jail since January 2021, and they do not have trial dates yet. So uh, the U.S. government is literally holding POWs, political prisoners, on u.s. soil right now so i'm blessed that i am out um i've been charged with five felonies it's uh, non-consecutive it's 80 years in prison plus a they're seeking a domestic terrorism enhancement which would put more years on top of that 1.25 million dollars of fines it just offered a felony conspiracy plea deal that was rejected and um uh, no trial date set yet. Uh, it probably wouldn't be until uh, I don't know, maybe next winter or something. So, yeah, we're definitely past the uh, Sixth Amendment, the uh, 70 Days Rights of Speedy Trial Act for sure. And this, wow. is, uh, this is myself times, you know, There's there's been uh, 846 people, I believe, who've been charged for January 6th.
1: Wow, and uh, the bond uh, can you share how much it was and how you raised it or is that something that probably I shouldn't ask that question?
12: Um, well, I, I'll just tell you some of the, the the terms of my bond is I had to surrender my passport. obviously I lost my uh, uh, my CCW um, not allowed to have second Amendment protections. The worst part of the bond is I'm not allowed to communicate with, uh, my friends who now they call co-conspirators um, that's been the worst part because here we are four friends who are going through the worst time in our lives and we're not allowed to uh, talk to each other um, I'm a, a, I do have a commercial truck driving license um, part of my bond is I have to maintain employment so yes I do own my own small business but they uh, they pulled my hazmat endorsement off of my commercial driver's license um, for whatever reason. Um, They wouldn't answer my appeal to it. You know, so I mean, it's just, it's, there's definitely no due process. I thought we were innocent until proven guilty. And, you know, for them to actually pull that endorsement, okay, what if I was using that for, you know, for for my job, for my income? You know, just very, very crazy. Um, You know, this is a... I mean, it, it, I hope this is a shock for all the patriots out there, all the Christians. I mean, you know, yes, they're they're hitting the patriots first, but they're going to start hitting churches at some point. You know, that's how communism works. And that's, that's, that's where we're headed. And I know a lot of patriots that I talk to. I'm a little upset with hearing the wait till November, wait till Trump comes back, the red wave. Um, you know, we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ, not Donald Trump. And um, everybody has the attitude of, "Oh well, they're not coming to my door. They're not going to take my guns. Well, by the time they come to your door, it's too late." So,
1: well, yes, and that's we, we'd had this quote that I normally do a quote every day, and I'd had uh, Lawrence read on in uh, hour number one, and it was a quote from uh, Hannah. Uh, errant, and she was uh, actually a Holocaust survivor. And it was the the quote that we had used at the very beginning was that um, evil thrives on apathy and cannot exist without it. Uh, I do think that more and more people are, are waking up, but uh, we are at a, at a time that in some ways, I'm not surprised, Derek, that we've gotten here in our country. And in other ways, I'm I can't believe that we've gotten here. I know that that may not make sense, but as I've watched through my life and and, uh, it's kind of started in the early 90s, this this continuing taking away of power and rights and higher and higher taxation under the guise of social justice. Now we hear it's equity, all these different terms there. And I'm... I'm excited because the veil is now off with what is happening to you and so many other law-abiding citizens that went to the Capitol because they care about our country, care about our American idea. I mean, it's it's beyond belief that uh, you have these five felony charges and that there's no trial date uh, and it's just a real slap in the face to the U.S. Constitution. So. The veil is off on what is happening. I think more and more people are waking up. I'm grateful to Josh Phillip for his uh, his documentary, "The Real Story of January 6th," uh, and the truth will come out, and the truth will set us free. But we're in a very scary time right now, Derek Kennison.
12: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, uh, so we're it, yeah, so. Uh, We've got just a few minutes left. What's the, the final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners regarding your story or the story of January 6th?
12: Um, well, I mean, I, I just want to say that I am there. I'm in it for the fight. Uh, there's There's been uh, about um, 360 people who've been... Um, um, uh, Convicted already. Uh, a lot of them are taking plea deals. I'm taking this to court. Um, it is a huge, huge fight. Um, I'm also being sued civilly, um, so I'm fighting multi-front. Multi um, if you want to see someone who's going to be bold and stand strong in, in court, if you guys want to support me, I do have a fundraiser for my legal fees. It's uh, give, send, go, forward slash Derek Kinnison. That's D-E-R-E-K. K-I-N-N-I-S-O-N. Gives and go.
1: Okay, one more time. Spell your name because I I think I had spelled it right and then I think I spelled it wrong. So how do you spell your last name again?
12: <laughs> yeah. First name is D-E-R-E-K. Last name is K I N N I S O N.
1: Well, we are in a time, Derek Kennison, and uh I agree with you. Um, we must put our faith in the divine provider, the creator. Uh, he was with America at our founding, and uh, mm-hmm. he is with us now, and everyday people are stepping forward. Um, and the veil is off on this agenda, and uh, talked about this, um, the Inflation Reduction Act, the fact that it is doubling the size of the IRS and weaponizing the IRS, and then increasing taxes on everyday people—the uh, veil is off on what is happening. So it is important that uh, we we hear these stories, we understand that, support them, and again, that would be at Give, sin, go. Forward slash Derek Kinnison to help him out with these legal fees because, as you're talking about these, you know the um, the felony charges, and then you said there's civil charges. I mean, you can just look at an attorney and uh, the the thousands of dollars start to to um, um, you know start to add up. So, Derek Kinnison, I so appreciate you sharing your story with us, and I wish you good luck and Thank you for caring about America. Thank you for being a patriot. I greatly appreciate it.
12: Thank you. Thank you for having me on.
1: Okay. Uh so we're going to go to break. When we come back, it is call-in time. 303-477-5600. 303-477-5600. I, I want to hear from you. Don't be shy. I, I want to hear what you it's uh, on your radar. It could be what we're talking about today or what's on your radar for sure. And um before we go to break though, the Uh, nonprofit that I have adopted is the USMC Memorial Foundation. They are raising money to remodel the Marine Memorial out at Sixth and Colfax. And uh, it's important that we honor those that have given their lives or been willing to give their lives for our country. So you can go and help them by donating at USMCMemorialFoundation.org. That's USMCMemorialFoundation.org. You can buy a brick to honor your military service or uh, the service of your loved one. And that will be on one of the walkways they have there. So again, that is USMCMemorialFoundation.org. We will be right back. I want to hear from you. 303-477-5600. 303-477-5600. Stay tuned.
8: Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage.
2: No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com.
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Uh, on the line with us is Johnny from Denver. Johnny from Denver, what is on your radar? Well...
7: um I'm uh, vacationing in Estonia now, and uh, I'm going to be doing some things here and maybe close to, to Russia just to see what's really happening. Um, and because I'm blind, people really don't take me seriously uh, because they, they think like, oh, what kind of blind man see or do? But uh, when I was listening to him, I, I thought about like how the uh, Democratic Party set this up that we saw. Summers of people rioting and looting and killing and, and and then that just numbed us to that. Then when when Trump says there's going to be a procedure there and he hopes that Pence does the right thing and 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 just put it on a hold for for, for for ten days, he he just hello yeah you're still there yeah. we got you yeah okay he he, he and then. We didn't listen, and, and we sort of got, got led, led into that, that trap uh, where we saw people breaking the, the doors, doors opening, and we just walked in thinking that we would have the same consequences as the Democrats, and not knowing that step by step we were being numb to the fact of, you know, lawlessness, and and them lying and so when this happened it, it was almost like it was a classic setup and it just makes me uh sad to see that they didn't take trump seriously seriously when he said they're not coming after me they're coming after you and now they right. got you
1: right right yeah this is so interesting uh and um yeah, I would recommend that people go to Josh Phillip, Epic Times TV, and watch his new documentary, The Real Story of January 6th, to at least get a, a, a different view from what you're seeing from the mainstream media. Uh, now, you travel to Estonia pretty regularly, right, Johnny? Well, yeah, my wife, she had to get her, um,
7: her uh, what's that called? The, um, she had to get her, what's that called, um visa. So that's why we're out here a second time. And then we're going to go visit family and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. And we just got blessed and we came out here a second time to pick that up.
1: Okay. And Johnny, you are running for state house. How can people get more information about you?
13: Uh,
7: Yes. uh, uh, Running for house district five, Johnny J, uh, for Colorado house district five and, uh, I'm uh, doing a a campaign to hopefully um, uh, knock out uh, Alice Valdez uh, uh, as he's using that um, place to uh, pretty much fund his business, which is a solar panel business.
1: Okay. And that's Johnny J. for Colorado House District 5. Uh, Godspeed on your travels. Uh, Johnny, greatly appreciate hearing from you. All right. God bless. Okay, thank you. Hey, Mark and Black Forest, what's on your radar? Oh, um, well, when
7: we were talking about the um, uh, Inflation Reduction Act,
9: um, it struck me. um, Government's got this pattern that they repeat over and over again. And uh, what they do um, is they create a problem without taking responsibility for it. Then they falsely assign assign blame to a group of people for that problem and they extract money uh, from that group of people. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act is—it um, seems like a good example of that. Um, the government, the federal government specifically, is solely responsible for inflation because they're solely responsible for the money supply. Um, and uh, so that's so that's what they're doing. They created uh, inflation, and now they're trying to solve inflation um, when it was their fault in, in the beginning.
1: Right, it was government policy that created it, but now they're using that problem as and as you mentioned, uh, Mark. They say they want to solve the problem, but in essence, what they're doing is they're taking more and more power away from the individual through taxation. If, if if you drain people's pocketbooks, you know, make things so expensive for people to live their lives, then a government is taking more and more control of their lives. So Mark and Black Forest, thank you. And I know that one of our guests used the word progressive, and I should have said <laughs> collectivist instead, so we'll stay on that. Mark and Black Forest, thanks that so much. There. Yeah, okay. okay. And Marianne in Wheatland, Marianne in Wheatland, what's on your radar? Uh, of course, my heart goes out to that man from California and what has happened to everyone who participated and, and th- thought that they were uh, g- going to have rights when they went to the Capitol. It just so saddens me. But my comment is, I heard a report on um, marijuana yesterday, and the amount of that ingredients that causes hallucinations and causes uh, people
14: to, ca- you know, not know what reality is has gone up since it was legalized
1: and everything from 10% to 90%. So that's wow. why this marijuana is, is so dangerous right now because there's no well, oversight. Well, and I'm, I'm still learning about this, but I, I, I think that there are, putting stuff into it, and to your point, um, this is not the marijuana of, of Woodstock, so I appreciate you letting me know about that, Marianne, and I'm You're continuing very welcome, to... You're yeah. Thank you so much for what you do. Bye-bye. Uh, oh, it's great to hear from you, Marianne great. and Wheatland, and we, we have Stephanie in Denver. Stephanie in Denver, what is on your radar?
13: Well, that was terrifying to hear about that guy. I mean, just shocking and terrifying. The guy in, you know, that was in D.C. I know. That, because, I mean, I used to go, you know, not frequently, but to D.C. for different things. Um, Certainly the March for Life, but there were others that I went to and never thought that there would be something like that. And um, as I said, I am just shaken to have heard his story.
1: How do you, what is his first name? How do you spell that? Derek, it's D E R E K and then his last name is K I N N I S O N. Okay. And it it is. It's terrifying to think that in the United States of America that first of all somebody can be accused by a grand jury did not have the opportunity to give their side of the story. And then um with friends. Right, can't talk with his friends who went through this experience. I mean, I i don't think, I, I said I'm in some ways I'm not surprised with what's going on in America. I am surprised by this, Stephanie, I think like you are. I never thought that this would happen in the United States of America.
13: Well, and what I thought about was that quote, and actually I just looked up online and there's questions about who said it and when and what. But the thing, the idea for... Um, evil to triumph, it's for good people to do nothing. And um, you just think, okay, Lord, what I am I I think that might be
1: Edmund Give Burke. courage. Absolutely, and that's where we have to go uh, for our courage. And we do need to have courage, because that's the other thing about tyrants, um, Stephanie. If you don't stand up to tyrants because you're afraid, it's... It's not going to get better. And so when we see this happening, we must stand up and engage in this battle of ideas against these tyrannical uh, ideologies. And, my friends, it will not get better. It will get worse if we don't stand. Uh, Stephanie, um, kind of your final thought before uh, we're just about out of time on the show. Well,
13: I guess I thought the other thing is how they showed up at his door, tore his doors off. I mean, all they had to do was send him a letter please show up or, you know, do this or do that. But no, they did. They made it like the Gestapo and to even set more fear into other people. It's like, oh, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to go to that protest. I'm not going to do that. But, I mean, it was just so over the top. This law-abiding citizen has had his life destroyed for showing up trying to help
1: yes absolutely so uh, hey Stephanie thank you so much and I'm looking up that quote and uh, h- 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 interestingly say enough there burke but I you know so
13: it's I a, don't.
1: yeah it's attributed to him and then I'm seeing that they're saying no he didn't say that and so instead of instead of Stephanie stay on for just a second okay. don't you find this interesting that there is this important quote in and um. So then I think there are those that are, instead of uh, looking at that quote, they say that um, they want to kind of attack who said it, who didn't say it. And so I just find that interesting. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Hey, Stephanie, I'm going to let you go, because we're going to very quickly try to get to Lynn and Boulder. Lynn and Boulder, what's on your radar?
14: Hello. Yes, what's on my radar is that this can only happen to Derek Kinnison if we allow it. And every one of us, I believe, has to assert and stand up to protect all of these people that are being so horribly abused and actually terrorized. Um, I, I had troubles with the government 20 years ago. I sent letters to everyone. I thought, oh, people will not let this happen, and no one did anything. Um, It wasn't about jail, etc. It was my professional license, but the same kind of approach where everything would be taken away from me if I didn't stop asserting myself. All of us have to see that this cannot happen to the people who are being subject to this. Otherwise, it's all over.
1: Right. And uh, I so appreciate uh, your comments on that. And we're out of time, but thank you you know, to all the callers on this. And once again, uh, don't think that if you don't stand up for our rights that it's going to get better. It's not. It's going to get worse. And so that is why we do this show, and I thank all of you who listen and support us. And this is the quote from Hannah Arendt, and she said, The moment we... uh, um, the moment we no longer have a pre- free press, anything can happen. What makes it possible for a totalitarian or any other dictatorship to rule is that people are not informed. How can you have an opinion if you are not informed? So, no, listen to the Kim Munson show. So, my friends, today be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you